0: This is an interesting time in Scripture because we're going to be in, you can go ahead and open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. This is a very interesting time in, in history when uh, it was right after the 400 years of silence. The prophetic, not a prophetic utterance in 400 years. And they were left off in Malachi Chapter 4, verses 4 and 6, re- saying this, Remember the law of Moses, my servant, even the statues and ordinance which I command him in Horeb and all, for all Israel. Verse 5, Behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming and the, of the great and terrible day of the Lord. Verse 6, He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of their children to their fathers so that they will not, so I will not come and smite the land with a curse. So they had these 400 years of anticipation for Elijah to be coming back. And so when Luke comes on the scene here, it's very interesting. We're going to pray. Lord, as we come before you, we lift us up to you, Lord. We ask for your divine intervention, Lord. We pray, Lord, that the words would be said would be yours, Lord. You would be glorified. I thank you for everyone here, Lord. I pray that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit and give them ears to hear what you would have to say tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So when you go back there, you start looking. Now Luke's going to write this, of course, through the divine revelation of the Holy Spirit, but he's also going to acknowledge others. He's going to acknowledge others as eyewitnesses of the account. Luke wanted to compile an accurate, authoritative, logical, and factual order. As you can imagine, this must have taken the hearer back by a surprise. Complete silence, and now Luke is going to write about the announcement of the birth of John the Baptist. Let's look at Luke 1, and we're going to back up to Luke uh, chap- or verse 1 just for a second. And we'll read verse 1 through 4. Inasmuch... As many have undertaken to compile account of these things accomplished among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, it seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order, chronologically order, chronological order. Most, and most excellent, Theopolis, Theopolis. So that you may know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. So he opens it up with this so that there's no confusion about who he's going to be introducing. You remember they are looking for Elijah to come. It's not really Elijah per se that is going to come It's a type of Elijah that's going to be coming. But it's really John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ, the forerunner of hope, which is the title of message, the hope that we have is Christ himself, amen? The coming of Jesus Christ for the remission of his sins to pay a debt, of course, that we can never pay. That's the hope we have. And so God, in his ultimate wisdom, is going to send a forerunner A forerunner is simply somebody that goes before and sets the way, announces the way. You might call him a herald. He's going to come and he's going to announce the coming of the Messiah. What a privilege that would have been to have been John the Baptist to be called that way. But before we even get to that point, the part that uh, Luke is going to be writing about here is how it came to be John the Baptist. How John the Baptist came to be the one. And I find that kind of interesting because we don't normally study things like that, per se. When I think of John the Baptist, I think of Wooly Boogie, Wooly Bully Man, right? You think of somebody, you know, wandering the forest and eating locusts and honey and, you know, not, you know. You don't think about his birth a whole lot. But it was important here because Luke wanted to go back, there didn't want to be no confusion about who this was, what his role was, and what his calling was on his life. I love that. I love how that plays out. In verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zacharias of the division of Abjah. Uh, Zacharias was from the tribe of Levi and the division of Abra There were the, the priests were divided up into divisions and he was in the eighth division, which just for the for the heck of it, eight is the number of what? New beginnings. So he's gonna announce, you know, he's going to he's going to be the father of the new beginning start, if that makes sense. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth. So we have Zacharias from the tribe of Levi and we have Elizabeth from Aaron. So we have a priestly family here and they were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. Now it tells me that over this, over this course of time in the past they have followed been following all the laws and the statutes, the commandments that were set down by Moses, as we heard in Micah 4. So, with that being said, they were righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly. Does not mean that they were perfect by any stretch of the imagination, because there was, of course, we know none perfect other than our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But it does mean that they recognized that they needed, they needed. Repentance. They needed salvation. They needed, they needed to overcome their sin. So what they did is they followed the law and the statutes and the commandments the best of their ability. But when they when they fell short, they recognized it. They recognized it, which is key to all of us to recognize when we fall short. And then they offered the proper sacrifice. So they were always aware. They were always in tune. They were always on top of things so to speak when it comes to walking with the Lord being blameless being upright and sometimes I have to wonder about myself or maybe you wonder about yourself am I, am I really trying to follow that to the best of my ability and here I believe that they were but here's the, here's the rub in verse 7 I'm just going to work through these scriptures I, we're, we're just going to work through this together okay is that alright with you so, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both advanced in their years. Well, number one, to be barren in those times was, a, was sometimes thought of as, as a sign of um, you were off with God, kind of a discipline, that you were, you know, in error. But that wasn't the case here because it's interesting, this whole, the more I read this, man, it's just like trippy because you can just constantly see God's hand upon this as he moves through it. You know, we look at these and we go, oh, that's a miracle, right? Because we know that she's going to have, she's going to get pregnant, she's going to have John at an elderly age, right? It says that they had no children because she was advanced in years. In those days, 60 was considered an elder and and some scholars, some were, some people think she was like seventy or whatever the case may be, and so she was barren. So she's well past the childbearing years. I got to thinking about myself. I'm sixty-seven, you know, and I think, wow, man, I'm I'm one of those I'm one of those elder people, right? And I love elder people. Man, I love my silver saints. But I'm in that category. You know, there's a saying, and please don't take this wrong, and I mean there's no disrespect. But there's a saying that goes, the things that I used to do all night now takes me all, all the things I used to do all day takes me all night to do. No, I said that wrong again. <laughs> but I'm probably not supposed to say it. You get my drift? I'm probably not supposed to go there. So now that I'm already turning red, <laughs> right? I look like your, your jacket over there. Anyway, you get my drip, right? So I was thinking about it. I go, I, I was thinking to myself, like, you know, I, there's times I need to mow the yard. And I used to, when I was younger, just get up and go mow the yard. Now I got to pray about it for three days. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I love to play golf. and I get to go play golf and I got to recuperate for three days. Now things just don't seem to work the way they used to. And I'm sure, I'm sure you can, you know, You can relate to this, right? We all have issues that we go on. Even the younger ones now have issues. So it's just really crazy. But here we have Elizabeth who was barren, and they were both advanced in their years. And so they were were expecting, they wanted to have children. They didn't want to, you know, I I think about Elizabeth going to Stater Brothers and buying groceries. Go with me on that, right? But to go out, you know, to be barren, it had a social impact. And so you have to think about, you know, she's out in the community. People are going, hey, that's Elizabeth over there. She's got no kids. Man, she must have dishonored God. I wonder what they did. I wonder what they did to dishonor God. Hey, her husband, Zacharias, he's a priest. How can he be a priest? How can he be a priest when his wife, you you know, and on and on the bite bagging, bite bagging. Backbiting and the gossip, and all these different things that go on that we know well we're about today, right? But they endured that. They endured that. They held fast. They, they held the line. They continued to walk righteous with the Lord. And then at verse 8, it says Now it happened that while he was performing his priestly duties, or priestly service before God, in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, He was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. That was one of great high and honor to be able to go in and burn the incense in the temple. Now you remember I told you that there were divisions, and what happened is they would cast, they would put the names. Let's just say they put the names in a hat, (laughs) and would cast lot, and the one that came up is the one that would be have the privilege and the honor to do that. Now, do you think it was just some happenstance that Zacharias at this perfect moment in time was the one that was chosen? It was the divine order of the Lord in this. We talk about it being a miracle. There were so many names in the hat. There were was, was many priests that never had the opportunity. This was twice a year this would happen. And there was eight different uh, divisions. And so they would rotate around and The odds, the odds would be like us winning the lottery. And yet this came up and this happened at this moment in time to Zacharias. And he was being about the father's business. He was doing it in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office. And he was chosen by Lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn the incense. And the whole multitude of people were outside praying, outside the hour of the incense offering. So he's inside, they're outside praying, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel, and fear gripped him. You have to kind of put yourself in his shoes, He's got this high in honor, privilege, duty to to burn the incense in the temple and he's in there all alone and an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Now that would shake anybody. That would shake anybody to the core and it says that he was gripped, fear gripped him. But the angel says, do not be afraid, Zacharias, Check this, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you will give him the name John. His petition had been answered. They had more than likely been praying for a child all their married lives. And here they are, well in advanced in years, and this angel of the Lord, who we're going to find out is Gabriel, comes to him and says. Do not be afraid for your petition, or your prayer has been heard. And your, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. It's interesting that Zechariah means Jehovah has remembrance, or Jehovah has remembered. Elizabeth means God is my oath, and John means Jehovah has shown grace. So Jehovah has remembered my oath and given me John. Wow. And not only just the John, not just a person named John, but the forerunner of the Messiah. That was his only job. His only job was to be the announcer, the forerunner the crier in the wilderness that one is coming. That was going to be his only job. Verse 14. And he will call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For those of you, I've never had children, but for those of you who had children, I'm sure that there was some rejoicing at their birth. Now, that may not have lasted all the way up to now, but there must have been times when you weren't rejoicing. <laughs> I, know, I know my mom got a lot of gray hair not rejoicing for me. So. But he says here that you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great, in the sight of the Lord. Here's a promise that's coming to them. Not only will you have joy and gladness, and many other people will too, but he will be great in the sight of the Lord. And listen, he will drink no wine or liquor, and he be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb So what what does that remind you of when he will not drink no wine or liquor? The Nazarite vow. Now, who else had a Nazarite vow? Samson. But it really means that he set himself apart specifically for the use of by the Lord. And I love this. I love this while he was filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. For those people in the world today that say that life is not until the baby is born, here is something. He was filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his womb. He was called, he was empowered by the Holy Spirit even before he was born. And here's what he's going to do. He's going to turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. It is he who will go as a forerunner. It was he, John, John, that we know him as the Baptist, will go as a forerunner before him in the power of Elijah. Remember, they were waiting for Elijah, the great anticipation for the coming of Elijah as we read in Malachi 4. Coming in the power, the zeal. It, it wasn't, you know, I don't want to go, I don't want to get too weird in this thing, right? It wasn't Elijah, but it was in the power of Elijah. It was in the strength of Elijah. Elijah had great influence like John is going to have great influence over people. And he's going to come as the forerunner forerunner before him, capital in him in my Bible, Jesus, God, in the spirit and power of Elijah. Why? To turn back the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of, right, of righteousness. So as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. What a gig! What a job that is set forth for this man. Verse eighteen. And this is uh, something that we pro, probably all kind of come up with every once in a while. So, Zacharias said to the angel, "How will I know this for certain? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years." Here's the issue: just a little bit of doubt enters. How will I know this? For I am old. Here you have, this, you have this angel come to you in the Holy of Holies. And he's telling you, you're going to have a son. Your wife's going to be pregnant. You're going to have a son. You're going to name him John. And Zachariah says this. And the answer, the angel answered to this. He says, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you to bring you this good news. Isn't that good enough? Sometimes God speaks to us and we go, did I really hear that? Is that good enough? Sometimes somebody speaks something into your life and you go, ah, wait a minute. Really? Is that enough? Should I question it? Sometimes you just got to go with it. Sometimes you just gotta go with it, and he says, "And behold, <laughs> you gotta love this, women, ladies. <laughs> and behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place." <laughs> 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 you gotta love it. Why? Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper. Time. I know there are probably times when my wife <laughs> wishes I couldn't speak. That yeah, would probably make her really happy. Sometimes we have a tendency to talk too much. You never know what's going to come out of that mouth. But there's a time coming. Says fulfilled in their proper time. Through all this, it's God's timeline being, being revealed. It's God orchestrating the announcement, ultimately, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, through a man, John the Baptist. All right, I'll go there. Fulfilled in their time, right? How many of you watch UFC wrestling or any of that boxing or any of those things? Probably have at some point in time, right? Well, on UFC fighting, (laughs) there's the ring announcer and the ring announcer name is Bruce Buffer. That's his name. Interesting enough, I googled him And he makes $100,000 per event for announcing. But he has a catchphrase. He's all amped up. And he comes out in great anticipation for the match. Right? They've been building it up and building it up. They've been building it up and building it up. And now the time is coming. The wrestlers are in their corner he grabs the microphone and he goes, ladies and gentlemen, it's time! And he goes, wrestling fans around the world and most watching on TV and all that stuff, right? But the key thing is, it's time and here he says, in proper time, the time is coming. The great anticipation for the Messiah to come is coming and it's coming soon. Just like the events that come up. The wrestling events, they hype them up and hype them up. And then one day it's time. Well, his time is coming soon. The announcer, the forerunner is coming soon. And then the Messiah will come quick. Jesus. The people were waiting for Zacharias and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. We don't really know how long all this delay took, but there was certainly a delay. But they were wondering. But when he came out, he was unable to speak. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. I don't know what kind of signs he made. (laughs) Huh? Baseball Baseball sign, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what he made. But he was making signs to them, right? But he remained a mute. So when the days of his priestly service ended, he went back home. And then after these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant. And she kept herself in seclusion for five months, saying, this is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked upon favor to me to take away my disgrace among men. There's so much stuff in just this set of scriptures. The miracles that had to take place, the way things had to take place and line up perfectly for this man to come. Now my part of the story is the forerunner of Christ, which is John the Baptist. There's much more to be read about him and all those particular things, but I think here it's important to realize how he got here. The coming, it's time. The idea is it's time, the fulfillment of time God is a God of order. God has timing for each and everything. When you talk about being old or elderly, there's a couple of things I want to say about that, is that as we read here, you're never too old to serve the Lord. You're never too old to be used by the Lord. No matter what people say and no matter what people think around the the area around you, no matter the accusations or the things that are raised up against you, when you're faithful to the Lord, he has promises for you. He wants to give you the desires of his heart, of your heart. And of course, their desire always was to have a child. Think about it for a second. They didn't give him just, God didn't give them just a child. He gave them the forerunner for Christ. The announcer. The one that's going to proclaim the coming. The one whose feet he's not even worthy to wash. He's going to baptize him down the road. So they didn't just give him a kid to pacify them. They give, God gave them a kid to glorify himself. And that's what kids are to you, to us, is they're extensions of God's love and grace and mercy. No matter how they act up or how they behave, they're still a blessing from God. So there's a few things I think we can probably take away from this. Don't give up. There were probably many times that they thought about, well, they, they probably you know, I don't know what they thought. I, that would be silly to even think what they try to think what they thought. But the idea is that there were probably times when they thought about maybe, you know, this is useless. Why should I even pray for this anymore? Why should I even bother? Well because I think part of the idea is that we're not supposed to quit praying we're supposed to continue to pray asking God for favor. God wants to show favor. I think sometimes we could quit praying a little bit too soon. I think sometimes God is on the verge of answering your prayer and you give up. It's kind of like walking up to the cliff of the edge of a cliff and you you get closer and closer and you know you're getting ready to uh, to jump and getting ready to jump and I don't know I just think that I think that we give up too quickly sometimes. I think that we should never give up. I think that we don't need to fall for the I ain't good enough school of thought. I wonder if she had Elizabeth ever thought that. I must be have I must not be good enough. I must be defective in some sense. I don't know what she thought. But you can only imagine, maybe you could take a look at yourself, you know? Maybe there's some things going on in our own lives that we need to take a look at. Are we praying it all the way through? Am I not good enough? There are times, pastor yells at me all, because I have a tendency to beat myself up. I do it a lot, because I don't think I'm good enough. God has other ideas and other thoughts. And that's where the focus should lie. So when we think about John the Baptist coming onto the scene, it's the dawn of another era, so to speak. It's, it's, a, it's another prophecy fulfilled. It's another, another step. It's another step in the plan of God. Remember that God is always faithful. He's always faithful. He may not answer your prayer the way that you want it to be answered, but He'll answer your prayer. And there are times that you'll ask for something and He'll give you abundantly more than you ever asked, had, hoped for. I mean, He just poured blessings out. Maybe you ask for one kid and you end up with a basket full. know I like the idea that many will rejoice at his birth so a lot of people were waiting a lot of people were waiting patiently and he's coming to announce and proclaim our Savior. How incredible is that? God is so good. This is such a wonderful time of the year. It's bittersweet sometimes for some of us. My mother passed away December 18th, 2001, so it's kind of a bittersweet month, but the coming of the Messiah, Jesus being in my life, overrides all that gives us, myself, the ability to walk through all these things it always helps when you know that they're a believer and they're in heaven so that also helps because we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ I don't know where you're at today, I mean I don't know I I know most of you but I don't really know you, right just like you don't really know me You know me from church. You know me as one of the pastors. I know you from church. I know you from the worship team. I know you from, you know, Bible studies. And I know you from... But don't really know the heart of you. And So I think it would be amiss to not ask maybe a couple of the really hard questions in light of this time of the year. And, you know, you can... You can consider it or not consider it. You know, that's one thing about free will. It's your choice, right? I certainly wouldn't want to try to talk you into anything. I am a firm believer that if you can be talked into it, you can be talked out of it. So the decision always has to be the individual's choice. we know that this is a very special time of the year for us as Christians. We celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so I would just ask this question. Can I just ask one question? As Pastor Michael pointed out Sunday, that I like to just ask one, but it never really just is one. So the, the question would be simply this. Have you really put your faith and trust in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who came to die for you. You see, we have a forerunner that's come and announced that. He's announced it. We're announcing it every day here that the Savior is here, the Savior has come. But have you really grabbed a hold of what that really means? I know I'm preaching to the choir because this is a Wednesday night service. But I think there's a lot of us that are hiding different things. I think we like to bury or stuff things because if I have to deal with it, then um, you know, it's sometimes painful. But see, that's why the Messiah came. To help us work through these things to carry our load, to carry our burden, to help us walk through the trials and tests and all the things that take place just in our daily life. We face trials and tests every single day. So the question is, have you truly put your faith and trust in Jesus? have you maybe uh, there you go question two maybe you've just fallen away maybe you've just kind of sidestepped. maybe you you know maybe you can kind of just shove a few things up in the in the in the corner of your suitcase and not deal with them because you know you don't really want to deal with them right now but it's okay you know I'm looking good on the outside I'm going to church suiting up showing up Maybe it's time to open the suitcase. Maybe it's time for you to just confess those things before the Lord. Hmm. That's where self examination comes in. But I just think that this would be a great time of the year to do that. Not that every day is not the day of salvation, but in light of this Advent season, it's coming. It's time. It's time. Not only for you, it's time for me. I can't point a finger out there without having some pointing back. Would you pray with me? Lord, as we come before you, we thank you, Lord, for the the accurate report as Luke has lined out the timeline, Lord, for the coming of the forerunner of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As we looked at your word, Lord, and seen all the different things, all the different miracles that have taken place, just to lead up to this point, Lord, may you give us understanding, Lord. May you give us and show us grace and mercy. Lord, forgive us for Our sins and trespasses, Lord, that we have committed and can continue to commit, Lord. And thank you for our confession as we put them on you, Lord, and thank you that you bear them in light of you not deserving them. So, Lord, without raising hands or shows or dancing or Any of those things, Lord, let's do a soul search, Lord. Lord, I ask for each one here, Lord, to do a self-examination, Lord. If you fall into those categories, Lord, maybe you've been playing church, maybe you've been suiting up and showing up and going out in the world and living like the world, it's time. It's time. Maybe it's time to just lay the cards on the table. And Lord, that would be our desire tonight. So Lord, I would just ask that as we are praying, Lord, that each one would self-examine, Lord, and give it to you. And Lord, may they pray something just like this, Lord. Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you sent your Son. Thank you, Lord, that you sent a forerunner to announce the coming. Thank you, Lord, that you love us so much that in the end, Lord, you would send your son to die a horrific death, to pay a price that none of us could pay. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my trespasses. Lord, help me to live righteous for you, Lord. Help me to be in right standing with you, Lord. And Lord, when I fall, convict me, Lord, that I may turn to you and ask for forgiveness. It's not our heart's desire, Lord, to sin against you, but Lord, it's a battle. Man, is it a battle. And you know that. You were here. So I pray, Lord, as each one of us examines our heart, Lord, that we would do that self-examination. And at this time of the year, Lord, this season that we're in, I would say that it is time. It is time for us to take a stand. We don't have to look too far to see how things are going to Heck in a handbasket. But Lord, we need to stand strong at this time. We need to stand stronger now, Lord, than we've ever stood. We need to be united. The only way we can be united is to have the same mindset. And that's our that's our prayer. That's my prayer, Lord, that we would have the same mindset. And the only way we can have the same mindset is if our mind is set on the finished work of the cross.